Well, typically at this time, what I would do is I would talk for 30 or 40 minutes about the topic of prayer, what we're looking at today. But as I was actually working through this series, um, I got this prompting from God that rather than just talking about relating with God, that we'd actually have some moments where we would do that, that we would really relate with God uh, ourselves. And so rather than just talking about prayer, what we're going to do this morning is we are going to experience the power of prayer together. And so for the rest of our celebration, it's going to be a time for us to just have this flow of some focused time in prayer. We'll do this through singing. We'll do this through some teaching. We'll do it through a story that's going to be shared. And we're going to do it through a way for you, yourself, to spend some time today connecting with God. Just you and God, one-on-one, just spending some time, quietly, just between the two of you. Because He's the one who knows you best and loves you most. Now, prayer can simply be uh, communicated as this way. It's a conversation between us and God. Um, I don't have a direct line. You have as much direct line as I do, but it's simply this conversation. And the first approach to prayer that we want to talk about today is us and about our life. You know, it's often been said that uh, you can worship more than just on Sunday morning. That worship happens outside this place. Now, I love what we do here. That set this morning was awesome and And uh, I'm grateful to come together and worship as a group. But we spend a lot more time outside these walls than we do inside them. Worship actually is a lifestyle. It's a life lived for God. And maybe to just kind of help us understand that a little bit, I'd like to share with you a story about a guy in the Bible who lived a life of worship. Actually, he's the only person in the entire Bible who is designated and given the title a friend of God. His name's Abraham. And when you track his life story, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's not that Abraham did everything perfect. He was a very uh, flaw-filled kind of person. He messed up with different things. But he was loyal to God. And there's this incredible passage of how God tested Abraham in an almost unthinkable way. God told Abraham to take the one thing that he valued the most, his one and only son, and to sacrifice his son to God, whom he loved. And he said, I'm going to tell you the place to go and I want you to do this. And this is what's really amazing. Even though God would have never allowed that to happen, He would have never followed through with allowing someone to die for kind of a senseless reason. The story, what it tells us about, is how Abraham actually complies to God. He doesn't understand everything that God's asking him to do, but he takes his son and some men, and they head off on this journey to a place where God would reveal Himself. And when they get to this place, Abraham tells the rest of the men to just stay there. And he says that me and my son, we're going to go forward and we're going to go a little 
further ahead. And this is the amazing thing about this story. Three most powerful words that are kind of bolded in your program. But it says this. It says, we will worship. He never uses the word sacrifice. He never uses the word offering. He never talks about what he's going through of thinking that he's going to give up his only son. Abraham just understood that sometimes when you worship God, it might cost you something. That you'll have to give something up. Abraham understood what it meant to live a life for God. And as we choose to live for God, there will have to be some times in which we'll have to say no to something so that we can say yes to God. It might be our time or our talents or our treasures, something that we put aside. Just like you're doing right now. You could have slept in this morning You could have done something else. You could have done anything that you want. But you chose to offer this hour to God. Because a life lived for God is 24-7. And whether you're at your job or you're at home or you're out with some friends just hanging out, God is present because God is your friend. And God wants to know, would you be mine? And so if you would, kind of as a symbol of your own connection to God, your own faith in God, I'd invite you to take either one of your hands and just kind of place it right on your heart and that you just kind of feel your heartbeat and as you do that, God's heart beats for you. And as you do that, we're going to pray so no one will be kind of looking, but either way that you'd do that. So let's pray. God, I uh, thank you so much that you choose to call us your friends. That you do not call us slaves or servants, but you choose to call us your friends. Thank you for being such a great God, a kind and a love, loving and giving God. That you're amazing and marvelous, that you're always present with us. And right now, God, we place our hearts into your hands and we dedicate ourselves to you in a new and a fresh way. God, we want you to live a life that is connected to you. And we want people to see that we are men and women who are committed to you. Thank you, God, for choosing to call us your friend. And as we experience our own heartbeat, we know that your heart beats with us. I pray this in the name above all names, in Jesus Christ. Amen. I just invite you guys to stand with us again as we sing this next song. That you are mindful of me 
that you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing. Who am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call. Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing. I am a friend of God.
guys can have a seat. Well, um, we're <clears throat> real excited to be able to have uh, Jib Baker uh, come and share his story with us. Um, Jib uh, has seen the power of prayer radically kind of transform his life over this past year uh, from a life lived for alcohol and some other things to a life lived for God. And so uh, would you welcome me as Jib comes and uh, shares uh, his story. patience here guys we'll get there all right got it excellent well welcome everybody and uh, thanks Chris for that introduction um just to start off, I'll tell you a little bit about my name, because uh, it's kind of an odd name. Jib is spelled J-I-B. Um, it's my initials. John Isaac Baker is my full name. So uh, my dad's name's also John. And um, I, think, I think when I was born, my parents decided to start calling me Jib so that uh, I wouldn't get too freaked out when my mom was yelling at my dad. So that's my name. But... Um, Anyways, like Chris said, I'm here to talk about how the prayers of other people have brought healing to my life, both spiritually and physically. Before I begin my story, I want to share a couple of passages related to this topic. The first is from James 5:16, and it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The other passage is from Mark 2. And it deals with the healing of the paralytic man who was lowered through the roof to be healed by Jesus. The JAR sent a couple of people to California this past summer for Celebrate Recovery training. There, Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, and he's also the author of the best-selling book, Purpose Driven Life, shared an insight on this passage that I had never heard before. In Mark 2.5, it states, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. The point Pastor Warren made was that it was not the faith of the paralytic that brought healing. It was the faith of his friends. In both of these passages, we see how the power of prayer from other people and from and for other people is able to bring healing in their lives. Here's my story. I was raised by Christian parents in Indianapolis. In my younger years, my parents owned a Christian bookstore and me and my three sisters attended Heritage Christian School. I accepted Christ at an early age with the limited understanding of a child, 
but grew to know more about God through school and from my parents. However, my childhood was also one of contradiction and confusion. My mom was very permissive and loving, and my dad, though also uh, very loving, was also a very strict disciplinarian. He had been in the military, and I always felt that carried over into how he raised us. Though I look back at my early childhood with some fondness, things at home fell apart when I was about 10 years old. By then, my parents had lost the bookstore, and my dad had lost his next job with a Christian record company. That was when he rebelled against God and the disease of alcoholism entered our lives. And this disease took my father. For the next several years, I learned how to live with a mask on, how to pretend in public that everything in my life was okay, when inside I was scared to death. There was also many prayers by me, by my family, and by my church that my father would stop drinking. And those prayers were answered my senior year in high school when my dad spent the night in jail for drunk driving. He's been sober ever since. My first experience with alcohol was in high school. I remember two things about it. One was that it didn't turn me into the angry stranger that my father was when he drank. And two was that alcohol did for me what nothing else had. It numbed my anxiety and my emotional pain. I only drank a few more times in high school and occasionally in college where participation in sports and the fact that it was against the rules at Taylor University, a Christian college, kept me sober. That changed, however, when I attended um, the, sorry, that changed, however, when I attended graduate school in, in Bloomington. There I began to use alcohol to deal with loneliness and the high pressure of the chemistry program I was in. What started as a few drinks on the weekend to blow off steam progressed through the years and through my marriage to me becoming a, quote, functional alcoholic. I say functional, but I was only functional in that I never lost my job and only drank in the evening, every evening. I also felt that my drinking never turned me into the angry, scary person that my father was. So it wasn't that big of a problem in my mind. The truth is it was a huge problem, and deep down I knew it. I'd been married six years when we walked into the Jar Community Church for the first time. My wife and I had attended church off and on throughout our marriage, and we were both Christians. But I wasn't living like it. And we, found, and we had never found a place where we felt at home. That changed with the jar. It was the first time that I began to feel that God was loving and not condemning. But by then, my God was alcohol. It was where I turned for every answer and to deal with every emotion. Then, about three years ago, God began to move in an amazing way in my life through prayers of other people. I wish I could say that I was instantly changed, that my alcoholism left me, and that the damage I had done to my marriage had been restored. But usually God doesn't work that way. He wants to build character, and for me, he has built a story. It was during a teaching by Chris where he talked about Jesus being our friend. At the end of the service, he asked everyone to close their eyes and to go to a place in our minds where Jesus was there and to just talk to him as if he was your best friend. This was during a time in my life where I knew I had a problem. I'd tried to stop drinking but couldn't. 
and my actions under the grips of my struggles had led me to a life of regret and hate of myself. So as I pictured Jesus sitting with me on a rock by a stream, I told him this, and that I felt I was destroying my life. I had a huge amount of guilt and expected condemnation. Instead, something supernatural happened. This God that I thought I had known came to life in my mind and simply gave me a hug. No, I don't want to freak anyone out. But this was real. More real than any hug I've gotten from another person. And I felt so loved and so unworthy. Afterwards, I left church with my wife quickly because I was overwhelmed emotionally. Later, when I finally regained my composure, I told her about it. It was then that she told me that in that moment, She had prayed a very specific prayer. She could tell that something was wrong with me. So she prayed that in that moment, God would show me his love in a special way. He did. I didn't drink that night. I wish I could say that on that day I stopped drinking forever. But that's not my story. I did go about a week, which for someone like me was a long time. But I didn't have the tools to stay sober, and I took back my alcoholism. Still, this was a significant event in my life, as it changed forever my view of God and began my road to recovery. About a year later, God began to allow me to reap the fruits of my actions, and I came down with a case of severe necrotizing pancreatitis. While in the hospital, I was given about a 50-50 chance of surviving. So Chris and a guy from church named John Goebel came to my room. They laid hands on me and prayed. I confessed my struggles with alcohol, and through a powerful moment of honesty and prayer, my life was spared. My obsession to drink also left, and again, I wish I could say that was the end of my struggles. But it was not. I had not developed true character, nor the ability to daily trust God through dealing with life's struggles. I also have an addictive personality. So after a month in the hospital on heavy pain medications and several months at home on them, drugs became my new addiction. My wife had no idea how bad the problem was. But when she walked in on me, crushing the pills and snorting them. She knew she had to get out. She had turned a blind eye to my problems for too long, and I was not a safe person to be around. When I received my divorce papers, I hit a bottom that a near-death experience had not taken me to emotionally. You see, though I didn't act like it, my family was the most important thing in my life. And I had destroyed it. But I was in a pretty deep pit of addiction, and it was going to take some time, effort, and prayer to get out of it. 
God wasn't going to just fix things in a day. He wanted to change me at a deep level. And to do that, I needed to be completely broken. It was after that that I entered rehab and was first introduced to the 12 steps of recovery. This was a start to learning a new way to live. And through this process and after a few months of sobriety, my wife and I attempted to reconcile our marriage. But I was not completely broken down yet. And as I held on to resentment over the divorce process, I gave my disease a foothold and relapsed into drinking. By then, I had done more than enough to destroy my marriage and my family. And so, when my wife told me she was done for good, I knew it was what I deserved. After this, I finally hit rock bottom. I also hit my knees. I finally gave it all over to God. My pain, my wife, my family, and my struggles. During this last relapse, I had been involved in the initial stages of Celebrate Recovery, of the Celebrate Recovery leadership training here at the JAR. But in order to work on myself, I stepped away from it. Still, I have been honest with those around me about my relapse, and they continue to pray for me and support me. Apparently, God had plans for me to stay and celebrate recovery because through these prayers, and after stepping away from CR here at the JAR, I was within days invited to a Celebrate Recovery program in Middletown, Indiana, which I have regularly attended since then. There, I have received support and prayers through some of the most difficult times in my life. Over the past year, I've also consistently filled out the prayer request card here at the JAR, asking for prayer for my marriage and for my kids as they adjusted to life with parents that were no longer together. This past year has been tough, and the divorce process was painful and ugly at times. And while prayers for a restored marriage were not answered, God has worked miracles in our lives. My children are doing as well as could be hoped for and have been taken care of well by my former wife and in-laws. This fall, when the divorce was in its final stages, a couple of guys from church, Chuck Mock and Jerry Cowan and I, fasted and prayed together for my situation. I still had hope that we would not divorce, but more than that, I wanted to preserve the friendly relationship that we had developed. I feared that if we went to court with our attorneys, that might destroy the progress we had made. God answered that prayer, and we were able to come to an amicable agreement through mediation. And since our divorce has been finalized, things have continued to improve. Today, we talk regularly. We had Christmas morning together with our kids, saw Christmas lights together with them in Marion, and played at the YMCA pool together. with our kids over break. At a recent meeting with a counselor that our kids are seeing, the counselor told us that she wished she could clone us. You see, most divorced parents can't stand to be around each other. They put each other down in front of the kids and act out in many selfish ways. We're not doing any of that. And I know that it is not us, but God working in our lives. He may not have answered the prayers that I had for a restored marriage, but there is no doubt that his hand is at work in the life of our family. And I am so thankful for the prayers of others and to God for his amazing love and grace. 
This Friday will mark one year that I have been clean and sober. It has been the most painful. Thank you. It's been the most painful year of my life, but also a year filled with feeling God's love through the support and prayer of others. It has been a year of a new life for me, one filled with hope instead of regret, one of looking up instead of looking down into the bottom of a bottle. I'm blessed more than I deserve. I'm again part of the leadership team for Celebrate Recovery at the JAR, and will be giving my first teaching this evening at Celebrate Recovery in Middletown. God has restored my life and my soul, and though life is still hard at times, I no longer feel the need to control it. He knows what is best for me, and I'm enjoying the adventure of watching him work. I'm also enjoying a newfound consciousness of the reality of God and that he cares about every detail of our life. I've seen him move in my life in ways that I've shared here and in many other ways that I don't have time to go into. I've also seen my own prayers for other people answered. Yes, my God is real, and he does answer prayers in his way and in his time. A friend of mine recently read me a quote that said, God moves mountains, and prayer moves God. As I thought about that and the things God has done in my own life, I wondered, what if we all truly believed that our prayers mattered, that God would move in our lives and in other people's lives in amazing ways if we would just pray? My life is a testimony that those prayers do matter, that they do move God to do amazing things. So what about you? What mountains are you facing now? How long have you been trying to move it with your own strength? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Why not just pray about it right now? Just ask God to move it, or at least move you out of the way so he can work. God is still in the business of moving mountains and restoring lives. I'm an example of this. And I want to pray for you, just as people have prayed for me. If you would, I invite you to put your hand once again on your heart, because out of your heart flows life. Let's pray. Father, thank you that I can come to you boldly and with confidence, knowing that you are a mountain-moving God. And I pray right now for people who are facing monumental problems and challenges, that you would strengthen their faith. Help them to know that they are not alone, but that you are right beside them, and you will help them if they reach out to you. Allow my story of how you stepped into my life and pulled me out of the pit of alcoholism and despair, give them hope. God, increase the faith of those here today who feel hopeless. Let them know that whatever their hurt or habit or hang-up is, you can take it and heal them today. God, give a holy determination for each of us to pray and pray and pray until we see the circumstances of our lives change. We give our lives to you. I pray this in the name of our mighty Savior, who can do exceedingly more than we could ever ask or think of, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
know, one of the, my favorite scriptures, one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible is in Ephesians. And it says this, Now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare or ask or hope for. Folks, God's able to accomplish things in your life that may seem impossible for you. But we believe in a God who makes the impossible possible. And Jib's story is just one of many through this place where God has taken someone's life and has done something that seemed impossible um, and did amazing things. And so I want you to have a time before we close for you to just pray to God yourself. And I'm going to lead us through what's called the heart prayer, which is kind of an acronym. Um, And you can use this other times, but I'd like you to just connect with God yourself, uh, just kind of one-on-one, and I'll lead us through this. But if there's something that you need to really pray for that seems impossible to you, let's do it now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you right now. And we uh, stretch ourselves out to you in prayer. And we want to begin by honoring and uh, praising you. For at least uh, one thing in our life, God, that we could praise you for. And for some of us, God, we could praise you for multiple things. But just right now that you just think about one thing that you could praise God for. God, we thank you for uh, hearing our praises. But we know that, God, if we had to look in the mirror... There are things that we have said or done that have hurt you and hurt people around us. Some of us, maybe we've really royally messed up this week, and so we just come now and confess. And and that word confess is just, you simply say, I'm sorry, God. So maybe you can just take some time, just you and God what you're sorry for and then to know that he gives you his forgiveness. And as we confess our sins, God, we know that you are faithful and just to forgive us of every sin, every wrong in our life when we go to you. We thank you for that, God. Also, God, right now we just need to come and remind ourselves of how you see us. The world, our work, our family, even ourselves sometimes can just tear us down look down upon us, but God, you never do. 
you look upon us as your prized and treasured children. You love us no matter what. And as you look down from heaven, God, you just say to us, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. Maybe you could just hear God tell you that this morning, that you're my child, I'm pleased with you. You can tell yourself, God is proud of me. He accepts me. He loves me. He forgives me. He wants what's best for me. Just take a moment and listen. That God's Spirit might affirm you in this moment. God, as we uh, have placed our hand on our heart, as we've stretched ourselves out to you, God, we come asking for something that seems impossible. But God, we know that with you, anything is possible. You are the God who delights in making the impossible possible. So whatever good thing in your life right now, then, that you desire, but you think there's just no way it could ever happen. Too much hurt, too much pain, too many things that have happened. You almost seem like it's, there's just no way that you just pray that, God, would you provide this for me? Ask Him for something. It seems impossible. answer it instantly but more often than not it takes a process so as you wait wait expectantly believing that God will move and God we thank you for being a God who hears and in due time that you'll answer our prayers so increase our faith God maybe you could think right now just one way that you can thank Him for something He's done in your life. God, thank You for this day. You know it was a risk for me to even think about doing something that was a little bit different than what we usually do. But I thank you, God, because your spirit has been in this place. And come now, God, and make us new. Allow your power to reign new within our lives. Send it to us as individuals and as your church as we live to live a life that honors you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Think about God's reigning power that reigns in us.
the earth, you reign on high. Every mountain stream, every sunset sky. But my one request, Lord, my only aim is that you reign in me again. Know that you're loved in this place, and uh, may God just reign in you as uh, He's reigned in this place today. Have a great week. Thanks. If you'd like prayer for anything, please come on up.
nothing they know. But if we are the body.